Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right. Good morning, One Life Church. It is so good to see you. Who's excited to be at church today? Hey man, I cannot wait to jump into God's word with you today. But before we do that, if you're our guest today, I want to introduce myself. My name is Rhett. I have the honor and the privilege of honestly getting to lead the greatest church on the planet, One Life Church. And uh, I just want to welcome you today. You're our family and we're just so grateful. Welcome home, everybody. Hey, before we jump in the message, I want to do something we do every Sunday as well. And that is I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, church, throw your hands together and welcome those who are joining us online today. If you're joining us online today, you are our family. We love you. We cannot wait to see you soon. All right, we are in a series called Galatians. It is a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study throughout the book of Galatians. But before we jump into it, I've got to remind you just of a couple of things. You guys, guess what? Small groups are launching again in three weeks. All right, I've got a few people who are excited about that. I want to say it again. You guys, small groups are launching in three weeks. Small groups. What are small groups? They're groups that are small. That's what they are. You're welcome, right? Welcome to church today. We're going really deep today. Now, small groups are an opportunity for you to connect with a life-giving community, not a perfect community, but a life-giving community. And uh, we do three semesters throughout the year. We literally just finished up a 13-week semester we call our spring semester. We took a little bit of break here in May, but we're getting ready to ramp up for a very short semester in June. It's about a five-week semester. And I'll tell you what, you and I were not meant to do life alone. We're better together. And I'm telling you, my friends, until you try doing life with some life-giving community, you have not lived life to the fullest. You need somebody. Whenever there's a crisis moment, it's in those moments we typically think, oh man, shoot, I should have had somebody in my life, right? But not only are community great for crisis moments, community is great just for everyday life. In fact, God's word teaches us, and this is not a part of the message today, but God's word actually teaches us that when you do life with others and you get real, you get honest, and you find some people that you're like, hey man, who can relate to some stuff that you're walking through, God says when you come together like that and you invite people into your world, not everybody, but just a few people, and you get together and you get serious and you pray, God says you find healing. There's a lot of us in this room who, honestly, myself included, that could find some healings from some things. And God's design and his process has always been people for healing. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. So small groups aren't just something we do at One Life Church. It is who we are. It's who we are. So we cannot wait. We're really excited. You're going to hear a lot about this every Sunday moving through. In fact, you're going to hear this a lot if you call One Life Church home, because again, this is who we are. So if you want to know more about small groups, maybe what they look like or the vision, great news for you. Today, May 16th, that's today. And even next Sunday on the 23rd, you've got two options. You can join us for small group leadership training today at five o'clock. Throw that one up there on the screen, my friend, so that everybody sees it. Yeah. Small group leadership training happens today. Everybody say today. 
today at five o'clock. In fact, if you want more information on what that looks like, please go to olc.church. You can go forward slash groups or you can go just to the homepage and click on the button that says small groups and it will answer all the questions that you may have on where it's located. It's located at our church office. And in fact, today it is by registration only. The reason is because we want to know that you're coming so that way we're prepared for you. And so if you can't come today, can I encourage you to maybe join us next Sunday? You only have to come to one. And this is for those who are interested in wanting to know more about what it looks like maybe to be in a small group, what the vision is, how we do things. You know, are they weird? You know what I'm saying? Come on, be honest, right? And uh, this is where all your questions get answered. But also this is where for some of you in this room today, you know that your next step is to lead a small group. And there's no better opportunity or chance to lead a small group than in the summer. Why? Because it's five weeks, y'all. Five weeks. It's the shortest opportunity we have to try to kind of, you know, taste and see if you'll enjoy it. And I'm telling you, it will not only change your life, it'll change your family and all those who have been changed through small group and community. Can I hear a good amen somebody this morning? Amen. So I want to encourage you. Small group leadership training happens today. Go to olc.church. Click on the button that says small groups. Register for training today. If you can't make today, you can make next week. All right. We are a message note-taking church. It simply means we like to take notes here at One Life Church. Could I encourage you to go to olc.church. Swipe down. There's a little box. It says message notes. If you'll click that button, it'll open up like a PDF for you. You can follow along with today. The really cool thing also about the notes is you can save them as an email. You can send them as an email to yourself. You can save them as a PDF. You can save it for your friend or family member who didn't join you today. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, right? It's so awesome. Uh, I not only want to inspire you on a Sunday, but really what I honestly want to do is I'm going to give you the tools that are necessary for you to live out your best life. And the message notes give me an opportunity to not only just teach you something on Sunday, but put in your hands God's word Monday through Saturday. And all the note takers said a good amen. 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 All right. So if you're new to our church, uh, I want you to know that I always believe that church should be enjoyed, not endured, right? And so for me, a lot of times I like to have a lot of fun and we're going to have some fun today, but every once in a while, I believe that we should take some time to where I can actually not just inspire you and have a little bit of fun, but also teach you some things. And so this message series is all about me teaching you God's word. And the big idea of this entire series is how do we live in freedom every day? Or in other words, how do we enjoy our relationship with God every day? This series is all about, and the actual, the book of Galatians is all about teaching us how to have the right perspective when it comes to having a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. So why are we calling this series Galatians? Well, it's based on a book that's written in the New Testament called Galatians. In fact, it, it wasn't written as a book. It was actually a letter from a guy by the name of Paul. Now, who's Paul? Paul is a church planner. Now, you may have heard the term apostle attached to Paul's name. That's what that means. Paul was a church planner. He planted a lot of churches uh, that were typically outside of Israel because he felt called by God to take the message of Jesus Christ to what the Bible refers to as non-Jews or Gentiles. And so for many of you in this room, if you're a non-Jew, you would be considered a Gentile. So Paul had a heart 
for the Gentiles. And so he planted a lot of churches and as he would plant churches in an effort to help the pastors and an effort to help those who were attending those churches, much like One Life Church today, he would write letters. Why? Because Instagram, social media, and email wasn't around back then, right? It was actually ink, papyrus, and, and you know, having to write it out. And then they would send it by carrier to eventually get to the pastor and the pastor would read it to the congregation. That's kind of how it worked. And so a lot of the books in the New Testament are letters written by Paul to the churches he planted, like Corinthians and Ephesians and, of course, Galatians. Now, this book in particular is actually a letter he wrote correcting an issue that was happening within the church. In fact, it is a corrective letter, but through the correctedness, if you will, there's a lot of life principles that begin to open up for us to begin so that we can see clearly who God is, what he wants to do in our life, and how he wants to have a relationship with us. So it's a corrective letter because you need to know something. After Paul planted this church, some weird stuff started to happen. Okay, And the weird things that happened is that there was these Jewish Christians who came along after Paul. And they started messing with these Gentile Christians. They First of all, they said, hey, first, we're, congratulations, man. Welcome to the family. We're glad that you believe in Jesus Christ. You're saved, going to heaven. That's awesome. But Paul left out a few things. In fact, Paul left out one of the most important things that every single male Gentile Christian needs to do. And that is you need to keep some rules. You need to keep some regulations. You need to have a form of legalism. They didn't use that word, but this is what they started to do to the church. They said, every male Christian needs to be circumcised. And could you imagine that was the moment the church started, stopped growing and the men started exiting the church, right? That's a little crazy. In fact, it's a little weird. In fact, it's a lot messed up. And so this brought a lot of confusion to the Gentiles. And not only did it bring confusion to the Gentiles, it began to put like a heavy weight and a burden on their life. In other words, it began to place religion on their life and it began to suck the life out of them and out of the joy and the fact that they came to Christ through a relationship and now they're being taught rules and now you got to act a certain way and do a certain thing. And, and again, that's really what this book is all about. And this is what Paul addresses. It's a corrective letter, but through the correctiveness, there's a lot of beauty and principles we get that can actually change our life and bring us back into context of what having a relationship with God is all about. And so if you missed week one, week two, or week three, I want to encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast, get caught up, because all of that is foundational for where we're headed today. You can listen to the podcast at olc.church or you can download an app on your phone from Apple, uh, Apple iTunes or the podcast there, and you can listen to our podcast there as well. But today we're going to be looking at chapter four. Now, before we get into chapter four, Paul ends chapter three with an important thing that I want to remind us, and it really is kind of the big idea, and it helps set up where we're headed today. Look at this, Galatians chapter three, verse 26. He says, for you, you and I, talking to us, hey guys, you are all children of God. Time out. What does it mean? It means every single one of you are sons or daughters of God. How? Through Christ Jesus, through faith, through trust in God's one and only son, Jesus Christ. Now, what I want you to see today, because I'm referencing this verse, is that again, I want to remind you, God never intended for you and I to approach him out of religion, out of legalism, out of duty, or responsibility, or rules, or regulation. That was never God's intent. What we see in this verse is that God always intended us to be sons 
or daughters, to be children of God, to have this close proximity in relationship with him, this intimate, personal, close relationship. In fact, God goes on. In fact, actually, Paul goes on in chapter four. Look at this, Galatians chapter four, four through seven. But when the right time came, God sent his son, referring to Jesus, born of a woman, referring to the Virgin Mary, who was subject to the law, referring to the Ten Commandments. So in other words, Jesus Christ had to come in the form of a man and experience everything that you and I have had to experience, including the fact that the law could not be obeyed. He says, God sent him, Jesus Christ. You ready? Here's the key. To buy for us freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom for us who are slaves to the law. In other words, Jesus Christ, the reason that he came is that he wanted to set you and I free from religion. Jesus Christ, the reason that he came is that he wanted to set us free from legalism, from rules, from obligations, from the law. Why? Look at this. So that he could adopt us. So he could adopt us as what? As his very own children. God the creator of the heavens and the earth who sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, for you and for me, wants to have a close relationship. Why? Because you are his son and you're his daughter and he paid a high price for you and he loves you. And look at the rest of the verse. And because we are his children, I love this. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Now time out for a moment. How cool is this? In other words, God put in us as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who have put their faith and their trust in God's one and only son, as the Savior, the Messiah, and the soon coming King. God has put the spirit of Jesus Christ into you and into me. That's a great place to say amen, somebody. This is exciting. And see, put the spirit of Christ in us. And because of that spirit that now lives within us as followers of Christ, a miracle is starting to take place. Something's going on the inside of us, and now it's prompting us, look at this, to call out, Abba, Father. Let me time out for a moment. A lot of us, we see this word Abba, and we're thinking, was God a fan of like the 70s Swedish pop band or something, you know? <laughs> like, what does that even mean, right? It's not what it's referring to. The word Abba was basically an Aramaic term, and the Greeks translated it basically as daddy or dad. The spirit that lives within us because of Christ now calls out to God as dad. It's the most endearing term that you could use. Many of us would say daddy, right? That's what Abba is calling out, daddy. And I just want you to understand something. This would have blown every single person's mind in this day. Because up until this point, they thought God was distant. In fact, Paul references their mentality as having a slave mindset. In other words, God's up here, you're down here, you better keep it together, you better act right, or you're going to get left, you're going to get struck down if you don't keep all these rules, regulations, you don't keep in line, and you don't begin to act perfect, God's not going to be happy with you. In fact, you not only have a choice to obey, but you're forced to obey. Why? Because you're a slave. This, this mindset before Christ came on the scene. And Paul's saying, look at this, the rest of the verse. Hey guys, here's the beautiful truth. Now you are no longer a slave but you are God's own child. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. And since you are his child, God has made you a rightful owner of all that is his. Woo, this is exciting. He has made you an heir. What is an heir? An heir is an owner. 
God says, what is mine is yours. Why? Because you're my son and you're my daughter. And we're going to talk more about this in a moment, but I'm telling you, this is good news, everybody. Look at this. The first thing I want to do today is I really want to help you understand the difference between two mindsets. It's the slave mindset that Paul is referring to and this children of God or this son and daughter mindset. Because you and I, the truth is, when you approach God, you're either approaching him through this mentality of a slave or you're either approaching him through the mentality that you are a son or your daughter and he's your father and you're an heir to what is his. And so look at this. First difference, the slave, what does the slave have? The slave has a master. The slave has a master. In other words, the slave mindset is God is mad at me. In fact, not only is God is mad at me, God is demanding every single ounce of energy and breath that I have for me to obey what he's called me to do. In fact, the slave mindset says, you know what? When I approach God, I've got to approach in fear and trembling and go, oh God, mighty smiter, please don't smite me today. You crawl before God. In fact, there's a church in Mexico who every year, blew my mind when I read this, there's a church in Mexico every year, the entire city and all the people get together and they walk on their knees miles all the way to the church. And because they're on their knees, you can only imagine the scars, the scrapes, the blood that would get exposed. And because this has happened every year for so long and so many people have done it, there's actually blood trails all the way through all the streets leading up to the doorsteps of the church. And in fact, they kneel, they crawl, they bow, and they think it's all in like some form of penance to God. They think that by doing this, they're earning respect from God and that they're pleasing him in some way that they could earn their salvation. And I want you to know that that is not the mindset that Christ Jesus has for you. That is not the mindset that God wants for you. You are not a slave. My friends, you are a son and daughter. You are a child of God. And some of you here today, you're like, well, I, don't, I have never done that. Well, you might not be doing that physically, but you might be doing that emotionally. You might be kind of approaching God out of this fear and God never intended that for you where the slave has a master check this out son and daughter they have a father they have a father there's a difference between a father and a master you know I'm a dad I have a 13 year old he's amazing I'm trying to figure this teenage thing out anybody that's figured it out let's meet after service can you help me out but despite all that the truth is you know what I love about being a dad is I just want to be close to my son I want to do things. I want to have fun. I want to be close. I want to invest my life into him. Like, I want to create some memories. You know, I want to go to the lake. I want to go camping. I want to go fishing. Come on, I want to take him to Disney World. Like, I want to do some stuff. Why? Because I'm his dad. And he's my son. And it's just a different type of relationship. And so I just want to encourage you today that it is important to understand that God doesn't just want to be your God. God wants to be your father. I want you to understand this truth. Look at Romans 8, 15 through 16. Guys, for those who are followers of Christ, those who have put their faith in Jesus as the son of God, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Now time out again. If you're approaching God and you're afraid of God, then you've got the wrong mindset. You've got the slave mindset. But instead, as a follower of Christ, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Goes on to say, now we call him daddy. We call him Abba Father. Why? For his spirit joins with our spirits 
to affirm that we are, we are God's children. You know, you can always tell the kind of relationship somebody has with somebody by what they call them. Like some people that are my dearest friends call me Rhett. You know, some of, the, some of you in this room, you call me pastor. And what an honor that is. But there is only one in my life that calls me daddy. And that's my son. So we have a different kind of relationship. But you can always tell what kind of relationship you have with somebody by what you call them. So here's my question. What do you call God when you talk to God? Like when you pray, is it, oh, great master, I'm so sorry I don't even earn the right to be in your presence right now, but oh, please, God of all mankind, please don't kill me for making this bad decision. Please don't strike me down with lightning right now, right? Or when you pray, is it more like, God, I just so enjoy being with you because you're such a good father. You're so wonderful. You're so kind. In fact, it's your kindness that led me to even want to have a relationship with you. And God, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a great dad. Thank you for giving me your best. You didn't have to, but even when I was doing stupid, you chose to send Jesus to die for me so that you and I could have a relationship. God, you're wonderful. There are no words to express the wonder and all that I have for you as a father. So how do you approach God? How do you talk to God? What are the words that you use? And I'm, in fact, if we're being honest, some of you are uncomfortable of even referring to God as a father. But again, I just need you to understand today, my hope is that your eyes will be open to see that God doesn't just want to be your God. God wants to be your father. And he's a good, kind, loving, gracious father. So what I'm trying to do on the front end of this message is I'm really just trying to show you some differences in mindsets between a slave mindset that is religion and a son and daughter mindset that is a child of God. So where the slave has a master, the slave is also an employee. He's an employee. This is kind of the mindset. Have you ever been into a business, maybe a restaurant or maybe a big box store, and you needed some help and you asked somebody a question, and when you ask them a question, they're like, they roll their eyes at you. They take a deep sigh of like, I cannot believe you just interrupted my day because you need some help. Am I the only one that's walked into that store? <laughs> In fact, just the other day, we were actually needing to buy something for the church. And actually, it was, a, it was a flat screen TV that we needed for the office, for students and for trainings and for different things. And, and so we were looking at like some decent sized TVs. But we were in the big box store who will remain nameless that you don't have a clue where the prices are. You know, Walmart. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> Hate that store. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I got issues. I'm working through them. So I'm like looking at this TV and I'm like ready to throw down, you know, like a thousand bucks on the TV. So I'm thinking like the person that would want to help me, like, you know, make a sell. I don't think they work on commission. In fact, I know they don't after the encounter I just had. Uh, But like, literally, my wife will tell you five feet away from all the TVs that were lined up in all disproportion and like all the, all the prices were, they were jacked up. Nothing was right. I saw an employee and said, hey, ask me, I can help, kind of thing. I'm like, oh, cool. And I said, hey, um, miss, can you help us? We would really, I know you're, she had one of those price checker things in her hand. Like she was literally price checking items, like all the video game stuff, like in the glass cases, right? She was going, beep, 
beep. And I said, man, can you help me? And she's like, she looked at me like I've just ruined her day. And I said, I know you're busy, but like, we're, we'd really like to maybe buy a TV and we can't tell what the prices are. We'd really love the opportunity. Maybe you just take that scanner and kind of scan this TV and let us know how much it is. And she said, I'll be with you in a minute. And she went back to scan five feet away from the TVs, y'all. Beep, beep. And, and Linda and I, I'm trying my best to be patient. <laughs> I'm leaning up against the TV. I'm watching this. I'm looking at Linda. I'm like, is this really happening right now? Like five feet away. Three minutes go by. I was like, I'm going to wait this out. Three minutes go by. She finishes doing her task. She finishes, walks over and go, what TV is it? Can I just tell you in that moment, I realized that the culture of that store in particularly with that person had this idea, this mindset as an employee and that she was going to be struck down for every bad thing that would happen if she didn't finish her task list and help a customer. So why am I telling you that story? Because here, here's the, the flip side of that. If she was the owner of that store, it would have been a completely different experience. Why? Because as the owner of the store, she would have understood in order to have what she has, there's got to be sales. And hey, come here, let me help. Yeah, sure. Let me show you all the things about this TV. Let me scan it. There would be a completely different experience. Why? Because an owner has a different mindset. And so I'm going somewhere with this because, guys, if your relationship with God is that he's the boss and you're an employee, you are not going to have fun serving God. It's going to be a, man, I got to do this. I got to do, I can't believe this is ruining my schedule to go to church on a Sunday and be a part of a small group. Are you kidding me right now? Ah, you're not going to have fun. Everything's going to be, man, I got to do this. I don't get to do anything. You're not going to enjoy your relationship. And I'm just telling you, God's children are not employees. Look at this. The son and the daughter is an heir. Woo, there should have been a little bit more excitement on that one, everybody. The son and daughter is an heir. So here's the question. What's an heir? It's not hair. What's an heir? An heir is an owner. A son and daughter is an heir to all that God has. In other words, all that God has, God wants for you. You are an heir as a son and daughter. In other words, it's a family thing now. It's not just God's, it's ours. Why? Because you're his son or you're his daughter. And he paid a price for you through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And all that is his is yours through him. So we have a class we call Discover here. It's basically our membership class. And I tell everybody in that class, right now it's currently online. But I tell everybody in that class, listen, if, you, if this church becomes your church and I become your pastor, I want you to understand one thing. This is not my church. This is our church. In fact, these drums, these are not my drums. These are your drums. I'm glad you let us borrow them on Sunday because we kind of need them, right? And by the way, aren't you thankful for our incredible worship team? I am telling you, they do an amazing job. <laughs> so although this is the Nam Pacific Center, right? Now, we don't own the Nam Pacific Center, but if I see a piece of paper on the ground, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick it up. Why? Because this is my house. You know, and I tell people, like, when you see somebody walk in the door, you may not have invited that one person, but they may not be your guest, but they're your guest. Why? Because this is your house, and we are all called to serve. Something happens, something changes in your mindset when your perspective begins to change, going from an employee to an owner. What is it? You treat things differently. 
You treat things differently. Everything changes with this mindset. Let me show you Romans 8, 17, so you just don't think this is my opinion. Look at this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. And this is powerful. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. What's it saying? It's saying everything that God has is yours. God wants you to have what he has. A lot of people get think, well, Red, are we a prosperity church? And let me bring some balance to this whole prosperity gospel thing. The prosperity gospel says, hey, uh, God wants to bless you so you can have a lot of stuff. God's word doesn't say that. God's word says, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the world around you. In fact, I need my sons and I need my daughters to have more than they need. Why? Because if they only have just what they need, then they're not going to be able to help anybody. I need my sons and I need my daughters to have access to the inheritance that is the kingdom of heaven from heaven to earth. Why? So that my sons and daughters can be a light to this dark world so that they can share, so that they can give. So my job isn't a job that I just get, and you're like, well, you're the pastor of the church. You get paid through tithes and offerings. Yes, I do. But you need to understand for years, 20 years, I didn't always work for a church. God, listen, the church is not my provider. God himself is my provider. And if you are employed today, you need to understand something. Your employer, your boss, your manager, as mean or as nice as they are, are not your provider. God himself, all ordained for you to be there in this season and he's using it to minister to you and to bless you in the season but they are not your provider and so at the end of the day all that God gives you isn't really yours anyway it's his we're just on loan and God's just expecting us to use it to steward it and that's why I honestly have no problem giving cheerfully to God because why it's not mine anyway God can do more with my little 10% than I can do with 90%. He can make it grow. And so this message isn't about finances, but you need to understand the principle and the mindset. As a son and daughter, you are an heir. What is his is yours in Jesus' name. I hope you're getting this today. You're part of the family business, everybody. This is so cool. It's important you understand when you have a relationship with God, you can approach him with two mindsets, a slave mindset or a son and daughter mindset. And before I give you this third difference, I want to give you a verse to help set it up. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. This is my hope for you. And that is two words that nobody likes in America. Work hard. Oh, I was starting to like this church. I'm out now. Work hard. Now, we'll time out for a moment because I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, well, Rhett, didn't you say that salvation is a free gift? Like you can't earn it? Yes, absolutely. You cannot earn salvation. It's free. It's a gift. We simply receive it by faith. In who? In God's one and only son, Jesus Christ. Who did what? Who died to pay for our sins to bring us into a relationship with him. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. (laughs) There's nothing you can do. My friends, it's already been done. So we simply receive salvation, but once you receive salvation, once it's in your heart, a miracle begins to take place. What is that miracle? The spirit of God's son begins to live on the inside of you. Now check this out. Our desires all of a sudden now begin to change. Now our desires become his desires. It's the miracle of salvation. It's the miracle of Christianity. Well, what are God's desires? God's desire for you and I is to make a difference with our life. God's desire for our life is look at the rest of the verse to show the results of your salvation. 
This is God's desire. Why? So the world can experience God's love in and through you. How? Look at the rest of the verse. Obeying God's, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. By the way, this word fear doesn't mean like with trembling and being scared of God. No, it means having the most profound respect and awe of a holy God. And I love this next part. And this is the goal. This is my hope for all of you is that through Christ Jesus, for God is working in you. And when he does, watch what happens. He gives you the desire and he gives you the power to do what was impossible through religion. He gives you the power and the desire to do what pleases him. To live this thing out. To live it out. In other words, when you begin to access God through the relationship with Christ Jesus, not out of religion or works, but out of just this free gift of grace and receiving it by faith, it goes from a man, I got to do this, to man, I get to serve God. And that's why this last difference, look at this, between a slave and a son and daughter mindset is the slave is driven by duty, where the son and daughter are driven by devotion. Son and daughter are driven by devotion. So when Pastor Rhett, or any pastor for that matter, gets up and starts talking about small groups, you know what a slave mindset says? Oh, here we go again. Pastor Rhett, seriously, don't you realize how busy I already am? Like, I can't add another thing to my calendar. Are you kidding me? That's a slave mindset. But a son and daughter comes along and goes, I can't wait, man. It's the joy of my life to get to do life with other life-giving people because it feeds my soul. It inspires me. It encourages me. And it gives me the strength to face life throughout the week. It's a joy. Oh, man, you want me to go to small group leadership training? I can't wait. I know I didn't prepare for it, but you know what? Five o'clock today, I'm going online. I'm going to register. I want to be there. I want to learn all I can to see how God wants to use me to make a difference in my life because this life is short. It's but a mist. It's but a vapor, and there's a short time, and I know God has called me to reach people for him and his glory. In his name, people need to experience the love, and God, you've called me to be your hands and to be your feet, and if all I have to do is open my home, open a bag of nachos, throw some cheese, and play a video, I'll do it for you, God. Woo. It's the difference between the mindsets, slave mindset versus a son and daughter mindset. One of the greatest stories in the Bible uh, that helped kind of depict this truth comes out of Luke 10, 38 through 42. Opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet doing nothing but listening <laughs> to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that she had to make. Now, I want, to understand, I want you to understand this. Both of them love Jesus. They both love Christ. Both of them wanted to give something to Jesus. But both of them in this moment particularly had different mindsets. Look at this. So she, speaking of Martha, she came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work? By myself? Seriously? Can you help a sister out? Y'all, if you don't read the Bible like this, you are missing out because this is what is happening right now. I love Jesus' response. Martha, 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 Martha. The Lord answered. I wonder how long you paused in that moment. God, Martha, you're worried. 
You're upset about many things. In other words, you have the wrong perspective in this moment about really what is most important. Few things are needed, Martha, or indeed actually only one. And Mary has, here's the key word, she's chosen a different perspective. She's chosen a different perspective. And in fact, it is better. It's better. So what I want you to see today is that when it comes to a relationship with God, when it comes to having the right perspective as God as your father and you as a son or daughter as a co-heir with Christ and all that is his is yours and the fact that I can serve God out of devotion and not out of duty, that choice is yours. A choice is mine. And it's a choice that Jesus Christ himself invites us to and it's better. It's better. So here's the question. How do we live in this kind of relationship? How do we continually approach God with a mindset that I'm a child of God, that I'm a son, or that I'm a daughter of God? I hope that's the question you're asking today because here's the answer. You ready for this? Well, before I give you the answer, let's look at one more verse, Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9 because I'm going to give you the answer through this verse. Formerly, when you didn't know God, like before you came into this personal, intimate relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, through faith, you didn't earn it like you just received it. Like before you didn't know God, before you had the wrong perspective, before you had this slave mindset, you were slave to those who by nature are not gods. goes on to say, but now, here it is, that you've made the choice to do what? Two words, to know God. Or rather, in fact, this is pretty cool, now you're known by God. How is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? How is it that you're turning back to a works-based dead religion that sucks the life out of you? And this is where Paul begins to bring the correction to the Galatian church and goes on to say, do you wish to be enslaved by religion that's exhausting all over again? And the obvious answer is, of course not. No, 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 I don't want religion. I don't want dead religion. No, I want a life-giving relationship with God as a son and daughter. I want to be a co-heir with Christ. I want Christianity to be the joy and delight and devotion of my heart. So how do we live this way? Well, the answer is, just kind of said it, we have to make a choice. What's that choice? Number one, write this down if you're taking notes today, and that is we've got to see God as a father. We've got to see God as a father. Now, here's the problem with that. A lot of us in this room, we've had bad experiences with our dads. And because we've had a bad experience with our dad, it's polluted our view of God. Now, I'm not trying to be crude when I say this, but I'm trying to paint a visual picture for you. It's like massive bird poop on a windshield. I know that's gross. A lot of us have on our windshield of life. And we need to clean the off the windshield, but we can't do it in our own strength. We need Christ to cleanse us, not only of our sins and of our past, but to heal us by the washing of his word. Why? So that we can see clearly through the windshield that's currently covered with... Come on, it's Christian church. You better not be... You know what I'm saying? Why is this important? 
Because your view of God will determine your relationship with God. How you see God or how you think he is will determine how you relate to him. And it's important that we got to understand just because we had a messed up dad or a father figure in our life, because they may have hurt us, doesn't mean that they represent God. They don't represent God. So, Rad, how do I begin to see God as a father? Very simple. You have got to open God's word. Why? Because it's God's word that reveals his character, his nature, his goodness, his kindness, his love for you, and his love for humanity. And his healing power that he wants to work in and through your life to help bring you through a process of delivering you from your hurt and your pain and the wounds of an earthly father, father figure, or any other person who may have hurt you. We get a glimpse of God through his word. In fact, Jesus gives us a beautiful glimpse in Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Look at this. Which of you, if this son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Come on, man. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and this is where Jesus reveals the character of God. We would only know this by scripture. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What's Jesus doing? He's revolutionizing our minds. He's changing our mindset. He's going, God is not a lightning bolt in one hand and a sledgehammer in the other hand kind of God. No, 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 no. God is a generous, loving father who wants to give what? Good gifts to who? To you and to me. Why? Because we have been adopted into his family through Christ. As a son and a daughter, we're co-heirs. What is his is ours. And now it is a joy and a delight to get to serve our God. We got to make a choice. We got to see him as a father. Number two, write this down. Now we get to approach God through relationship, not rules. We've got to make the choice, and the choice is ours, to approach God through relationship, not rules. Now, let's be honest, every set, every home has a set of rules that we play by. Now, whether you've written them down, whether they're unspoken, you and I, we all have what we call house rules. In fact, if you ever come over to my house and we're playing sports or we're playing games or cards or whatever, there is house rules. You know what house rules are? For me in my house, it means that I'm going to call a house rule that will put me in favor to win the game and that you lose because I want to win. My wife calls it cheating. I call it strategy, whatever, you know. Because I want to win. Don't judge me. I know every, there are some people in this room that you're like, okay, I can finally relate to somebody, right? I'm confessing my sins to you. But we all have a set of rules. Maybe your rule is don't throw the ball in the house rule. Maybe your rule is, you know, uh, no yelling unless it's an emergency rule. Or maybe you have this rule. We have this in our house. You know, we have a 13-year-old son. He's getting better at this. But uh, if your kids are hungry, maybe it's like, please don't wait for the love of God and all things that are holy. Please don't wait till five minutes before bedtime to tell me you want some food. Come on, parents, where are y'all at? Am I the only one? Still working on that one. Daddy, I'm hungry. No, you're going to bed. You had a chance to eat an hour ago. Sorry. Don't judge me. He ate three to four meals before that. You know what I'm saying? He's just trying to stall bedtime. That's all he's doing. But we all have a set of rules, but there's an unspoken rule, and I call it the fall into the father's 
grace or the favor of the father rule. How does that play out? Well, it basically plays out like this. Just the other day, my son and I, um, he was, I was working on a message. A lot of times on Saturday, it's kind of my day that I kind of finally put everything just kind of, it's been, you know, churning in my heart all week, but I'm just kind of putting everything together and finishing up on last minute changes. And um, my son came in the room the other day and he just sat beside me on the bed. And so, of course, I put my computer off. I'm like, hey, buddy, what do you want? What do you need? Because, you know, listen, I was born at night, but I wasn't born at last night. If they're going to come in and sit and just look at you, it's not because they just want to hang out. It's because they want something or they need something. And so I'm like, hey, buddy, what do you what do you want? What do you need, man? I'm, you know, and uh, he said, I don't want anything, Dad. I said, what do you mean you don't want anything? No, I just want to just want to hang out with you. I just want to be in the same room with you. You don't have to talk. We just just be in the same room. And I'm telling you. It's like a little tear just began to roll down on my cheek. And I'm like, bro, what do you want? I will buy you a pet monkey. I will buy you, I will buy you a unicorn. I know they don't exist, but I'll find them. I'll buy you a dolphin. What do you want? You know what I mean? Like, let's Disney World. All right, forget church tomorrow. We're buying tickets. We're there, right? So, so what happened? What happened? His approach was different. His approach to his dad was, I just want to be with you. I just want to hang out. I want to do life. I just want to be close, Dad. Don't need anything. And so that's why I'm telling you today that when it comes to your relationship with God, your approach is critical. Yes. You're going to approach him as a slave, that he's your master, that you're just an employee. Are you going to approach him as a son and daughter, where he's your father, he's good, he's kind, he's wonderful, and that you're a co-heir with him in Christ, that this thing could be a joy and a delight to get to do life with one another. Jesus spoke to this, John 5, 39 through 40. He says, guys, when you approach me, like you're diligently studying the scriptures, like you're reading the Bible because you think just by reading something that you're going to possess eternal life. He says, guys, you have missed the whole point of this thing. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So when you read God's word, when you're reading the scripture, it's about getting close to me, but yet you refuse. You stay caught up in your head in this mindset that I'm some kind of master and you're my employee and that you're just some kind of slave. No, 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 no. You've got it wrong. You're my child, you're my son, and you're my daughter. And if you'll come to me with this perspective, you will have life. Jesus is saying, hey guys, the goal of, reading, goal of reading the Bible isn't just to read the Bible. The goal of reading the Bible is to get close to him. The goal of praying isn't just to pray and to say some words and to kind of do a religious act or duty. No, 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 no. The goal of praying is so you can get close to God. The goal of serving isn't just to serve, just so you can say, hey, look what I did. No, no, the goal of serving is so that you serve with him, that you do things together big idea here that Jesus is saying, God said, when it comes to having a relationship with God, I don't want you to do things for me. I want us to do things together in relationship. So how do we live with this relationship with God, this kind of mindset? Well, we've got to choose to see God as a father. We've got to choose to approach him, not out of rules or regulation, but out of relationship. God, I just want to be with you because you're good, not asking for anything. In fact, I know you own everything, God, but just being with you is all I need. And you gotta make the choice to do number three, write this down. You gotta make the choice to give God your whole heart, your whole heart. Notice I didn't say half a heart. 
Notice I didn't say give God, you know, 99.9%. Why? Because there is nothing you can do in this life halfway and expect the best. God's no different. He gave his best for you and he expects your best. And what is your best? It's your life. It's your whole heart. It's your whole heart. God wants everything. God wants everything. Not so he can take something from you, but that he can add value to your life. The Bible says it this way, Jeremiah 29, 13 through 14. You've heard this verse. Guys, you will seek me and you will find me. When? When you seek me with what? All your heart. When you go all in, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. What's God saying? God's saying, hey guys, if you go all in, you'll experience love. If you go all in, you'll experience peace, joy. You'll experience kindness. You'll experience fulfillment. You will experience an incredible relationship that you've always desired. You'll experience my best. When? What? When you go in with all your heart. With all your heart. And so if I was to bring this message into one sentence, I would close with this statement. And that is, look at this. A relationship with God a real, genuine, authentic, personal relationship that puts his hope and trust not on what you do, but what has been done through Christ Jesus and him alone. It changes everything. It changes everything. Once you fill that in, will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody moving around in this moment. This is the most significant moment of our entire day. And honestly, it has the potential to be the most significant moment of your entire life. I want to pray. God, I pray in this moment, God, that we all would just begin to receive your wisdom and revelation that comes from heaven, that eyes would begin to open in their spirit to begin to see clearly, God, who you are, what you've done for them through Jesus, and who they are as a son and daughter and a co-heir with Christ. God, I pray that they begin to experience the good father that you are, that has given us Jesus, working, uh, working in us, giving us the power and giving us the desire to do God what honestly pleases you and that really honestly brings fulfillment into our hearts. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, somebody looking around, if you are here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Red, you have just described my spiritual condition. I've had this slave mindset, but I want to walk in this mindset as a son and daughter of Christ Jesus. I've been in this fear-based religion, but I want to come into relationship with God. If that's you today, I want you to know you're one heartfelt prayer away from receiving that. I'm not gonna call you down front. I'm not gonna ask you to stand, but what I would love to do is, I'd love to know who I'm speaking to as I lead us all corporately in a prayer. If you're here today and you're like, that's me, Pastor Ed, I want to come into a relationship with God. Would you be so bold to raise your hand all across this room? I had a slave mindset, but today that mindset is changing. I am walking in a relationship with God. I am choosing Christ. Would you raise your hand all across this room? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Greatest decision of your life. You can put your hands down. I would encourage you to say this prayer and just mean it with all your heart. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for wanting to be in relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died and rose again. I believe you paid for my sin. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. I say this, say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. 
I declare you as my Lord and my Savior today. I put my faith and trust in you. I give you my whole heart. Holy Spirit, I welcome you in my life to help me make a difference. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together today for those who made a decision? Come on.